So I head home from that camp with this kind of increased hmm. pursuit of studying Catholicism from the point of uh, thinking that I would, I would help maybe Catholics come out of Catholicism into my denomination and whatnot. And, but it's then during that year, so getting basically this Marian vision from a Protestant guy at this <laughs> camp <laughs> ramps me up on my Catholicism study until I, I, I felt like it was just like one day I was just like reading, reading, and like I turned the last page and was like, and he became oh, Catholic. Oh, <laughs> It's true. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, one of the executive directors here at Damascus. I'm joined here with my good friend Brad Pierrot. What's up? Good What's to be up? here, Dan. This and we is have awesome. Brad. We have a special guest today, That's Father right. Drake McAllister. Father Drake, Father Drake yes. good to have you on the show. One of those. That's what I'm talking Glad about. Glad to be here, yeah. man. You guys have a treat today in Father Drake because mm -hmm. not only is Father Drake in a, a convert to Catholicism. From Pentecostalism, which we're going to have all kinds of fun mm -hmm. things to talk about that. But Father Drake, we're here live at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Ooh. And so you may hear here in the studio, you may hear some kids screaming in the background. We have archery tag going on across the field, right there. paintball in the <laughs> woods. So if you hear some like some screams, that's just normal. That's like, mm -hmm. like everyday life here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp at Damascus. Uh, but you're here, Father Drake, because your children are campers this week. Week. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Close. I do have children. They're not campers this week. Oh, they're here not? later in the summer. Oh, yeah. oh there it is. Week no. than your own be kids. Because they said, Dad, I can't believe you're going to Damascus to be a priest for a whole week. And I said, Yes. And then they looked at me and said, Wait, you're not coming to our week. Oh, are that's you? amazing. <laughs> so they want their own space. That's uh, actually really good. It's, it it's, is. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. on that and my kids later. But, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but Father, you. You're, you you help teach catechetics and theology at Franciscan yes. University of Steubenville. We're mm -hmm. kind of fans of that place. Yeah. And you're a married priest with children. So that, I'm sure, has an interesting dynamic yes. going on in your life. So we're going to have a Indeed. lot of fun conversation today mm -hmm. regarding that. Brad, why do we do the po this podcast? What's yeah. the purpose so of the man? The purpose of the podcast is to bring people into a life of mission, right? Mm. And Father Drake, you're living a life of mission in so many facets, as you were yeah. talking about, um, between vocation and occupation and all the things the Lord's had you do. But really, the point of this podcast is the point of our summer camp. It's the point of uh, all of the missions that we do as Damascus. It's to bring people into, into an authentic encounter with Jesus and from that place, allow them to build a life of mission off of it. And so that's yeah. what we'll discuss a little bit about today, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exactly. And I love, Father, as we dive into your mission... Oh man, when we always say at camp, like live the adventure, right? Mm -hmm. And when you follow Jesus Christ, your life is an incredible adventure. And you never really know when you say yes to him where mm -hmm. he's gonna lead, right? So you say yes to the Lord at a young yeah. age. He leads you into Pentecost. I mean, he leads you to be a pastor in Pentecostalism tradition, and then he leads you into the Catholic Church, and then years later he leads you to be a priest. Like, what mm -hmm. the heck? You yeah. have no like yep. only the Lord can write a story like that. So Amen. why don't we open in prayer and then mm -hmm. we'll dive into your testimony in the name of the Father? Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Holy Spirit, we love you. We just give you uh, praise and glory and thanksgiving. We thank you for the many gifts you pour out into our lives, into this church, so that we can minister with you, uh, for you, and through you. We pray that you would bless this conversation. I just pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit would well up inside of the listeners' hearts 
inside of our own hearts here as we record this podcast, that we would uh, hear what God is calling us to do with our lives, mm-hmm. and that we would follow Him no matter where He calls. We pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. I think, you know, the, the word that's been on my heart a lot in prayer lately, and, and it just kind of like, the, if just to simplify Christianity or to mm-hmm. simplify mm-hmm. holiness has simply just been the words of Mary at the wedding feast of Cana, do whatever he tells you. And I feel like if we could just drill that into our own lives, into our own hearts, into the hearts of those that we minister to, like, what do I do with my life? Just do whatever he tells you. What do I do today? <laughs> do whatever he tells you. What do I do five years from now? Do whatever he tells you. What do I do? Like, how do I raise my family? Do whatever he tells Like, how do I minister to this person? Do whatever he tells you. It's just the simplicity mm-hmm. of just daily being in relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and listening to him, even when it doesn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, hey... You see those dirty purification jars, uh, go fill those up with water Water. and I'm going to turn them into wine. Like Mm -hmm. that's irrational. It doesn't like Jesus, that doesn't happen. That doesn't help us bring wine. We're filling them with water and you're telling us that we should just bring them back full when our entire job is to bring back wine. Yeah. It's like, okay, so we're going to fill up gallons and gallons of water. You haven't told us yet you're going to turn it into wine. So that sounds like we're wasting time. We're wasting time. Yeah, right. And... But that's what our call is, just to do whatever he tells you. And I think that's what we'll find with your testimony, Father. You just kind of did whatever he told you. Can you start maybe, how did you fall in love with Jesus? I think that's the most important part of every person's story, the love story. Amen. I'd say two two key places. Uh, Number one, my my family. I have uh, an amazing mom, an amazing dad, who I moved out here to Ohio in 2015, so they now live with us. They're still not Catholic. And my mom probably would be super happy if I came over on this campus week and said, you know what? I'm done. I'm leaving the Catholic Church. And she'd be like, I knew it. Finally, it <laughs> You happen. just made a big mistake. Uh, but God bless them. The Lord did a lot of healing in, our, in that relationship. Uh, and so they live out here now in Steubenville in Catholic Town. With, oh, wow. Uh, they're surrounded by it all the time. Um, but mm. I just had amazing, mm. proactive parents that uh, not only took us to church, but engaged us in mission. They nice. would take us to the... Uh, local homeless shelter to help serve food. They would take mm-hmm. us to local, um, you know, old folks' homes to go sing and serve, and we would volunteer at church. And so they mm-hmm. were actively people filled with the Spirit, living on mission, and depositing that in, our, in me and my sister's life. That's amazing. But the second thing is, as I told the kids, as I preached on Sunday for the opening Mass, my life was lit on fire in a way with a flame that has never gone out mm-hmm. at a summer camp Woo! when I was in seventh grade at a week-long summer camp and in a place where I could hear the Lord, be taught about the Holy Spirit, get prayed over, and uh, the Lord lit that flame in such a way. We went back to the cabin that first night, and we're like, who didn't get prayed for tonight? Jump in the middle. We're praying for the kids. Counselors are there. The counselors are finally like, tap out. They're like, we're going to bed. And we just kept praying to like 2 in the morning. And and all these little junior high boys, and we just... We um, have curfews in our cabins, Father. (laughs) But by 11.30, lights are out. There's no junior high boys praying with each other at 2 (laughs) a.m. That's incredible, though. You talk about what does Pentecostalism have to give you. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Learn from our brothers and sisters. (laughs) Um, But but really, that, that... that was the moment when I talk about a lot of kids I talk to, you know, hey, what's your what's your what's your conversion story? And like, I grew up in the church, I don't have one. He said, Yes, you do. Every yeah. person has a story of when you decided to own it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When it stopped being, well, here's what mom and dad do, mm-hmm. but now here's what I 
do. Yeah. And for me, that was that was seventh grade. That was yeah. Grade. Yeah. It amazing. reminds me of John chapter one. Like there's that there's always that moment. Like we all have that that conversion moment, that moment of encounter. And, and yeah. that happens time and time again in our lives. But you can go back to the first time. And I remember yeah. uh, the first time I was reading through the gospel of John chapter one and recognized that John says it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. That like random mm. little detail. Mm-hmm. That, it, yeah. That, but he but remembered. he remembered. He remembered yeah. when he was alongside Andrew and they saw John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God. Yeah. And they looked and they said, I think that's worth following. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. Jesus looks at them and says, What are you looking for? And and he recounts like it was <laughs> four in the afternoon. Because yeah. there's this moment yeah. that everything changed. Well, it's because he's a real person and you have a real relationship. And whenever you have mm-hmm. a real relationship mm-hmm. with a person, especially a person that's extremely involved in your life, yeah. you there's moments that you remember. I remember the moment I met my wife Amber, like yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was yesterday, right? Like that mm-hmm. moment that I first saw mm-hmm. her in the mm-hmm. our first conversations. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember mm-hmm. Brad some of the first conversations we, we had, had and yeah. like those those mm-hmm. pivotal moments and where our relationship was began mm-hmm. and launched why because when you have a relationship with someone so if you're like and i grew up with my mom and dad always yeah. in my life right but i have moments of my childhood that i remember where i just fell in love with my dad mm-hmm. right like yeah. wow dad is like we're having this moment together yeah. right and yeah. so yeah and lord i just pray for anyone who maybe is in relationship mm-hmm. with you but hasn't had that moment where they mm-hmm. really discovered you, that they would encounter you and they would mm-hmm. hear your voice and they would just fall deeper and deeper in love with you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Uh, Father, thanks for that uh, simple advertisement for Catholic Youth Summer Camp. So if anyone's <laughs> looking for an amazing experience for your seventh grader, we have high adventure camps called Catholic Youth Summer Camp we for do. middle schoolers <laughs> and high schoolers to set the fire of the Holy Spirit. We pray over our campers as well. Well, the mm-hmm. campers pray over each other mm-hmm. or with each other for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is really important, especially yep. in those mm-hmm. younger years, because yep. I think a lot of times we learn about the Holy Spirit, but we don't mm-hmm. experience the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's one thing to learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit or to be uh, to experience the sacrament in which we receive the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but to have that sacrament inflamed in our life um, is often um, not taught or understood. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So how did, when when you were a seventh grader, ironically, that's when I fell in love with the Lord too. Mm-hmm. So cool, that's a good year. Um, what what launched after that camp? What changed? I would say what what changes with that encounter with the Holy Spirit, and you talk about, yeah, often we hear about the Holy Spirit, but we don't, uh, we're not taught about what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing. I think especially in Catholicism where we often, we're, we're, we're all, we're good on the Trinity and we focus on it all the time, but often it's maybe more a theological perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and that encounter with the Holy Spirit, I think what it brings is uh, that expectation of, where do you want me to go today, Lord? What, yeah. what do you want me to do today? And mm-hmm. and flipping that switch to mm-hmm. where, as a mm-hmm. kid, beginning to think like that, like, Lord, I, I want to share my faith. I don't know if I have anything to say yet, but mm-hmm. I want to share my faith. Mm-hmm. Give me an opportunity. And, um, and that's when I talk about the Holy Spirit in our life, that's one of just the primary things he's to do and uh, should be giving us a sense of expectation mm-hmm. of, what is God doing through me now and mm-hmm. today? Where does he want me to go? I love that. He's yeah. given that for 
mission. He's the active agent that just keeps mm -hmm. us moving. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, he's a friend that takes us to the right places. Mm -hmm. I, I love that that comment that the Holy Spirit isn't a force or a feeling, but a friend. Yeah, yeah. And because with a friend, there's times when my friends, well, in, in our fallen world, uh, force me into things that are good and bad, but the Holy Spirit being the excellent <laughs> friend always brings me into things that are good. Yeah. And there are sometimes these um, like zealous promptings that he gives us. They give this little nudge or this force in a direction, never in like a overpowering way, yeah. but always in this like invitational type way. And then there's also like feelings that accompany being with a good friend. Like I, I love that our missionaries, as they're formed over the course of the summer, there's this relationship they come into with the Holy Spirit where whenever they invite their friend to come into the room, there's an excitement, like a palpable excitement that like, Holy yeah. Spirit's going to come in today and, yeah. and he's going to show me new things about myself and new ways that I'm called to operate in the world. And I love that because he always, he always kind of um, propels us forward. I mean, that's, that's what he does for our church, right? As he propels yeah. us forward. Yeah. When you're saying that father is to some extent, I give my life to Jesus, but my days are directed by the Holy Spirit in a way, you know, like Absolutely. where right? I remember when like, yeah, that, that moment where I just dedicated my life, I'm going to live for you yeah. for the rest I mean, of my life. And, but then what do I do today? Well, he says, behold, I'll be with you always. And how's he with us always at every moment, every, every second of the day he's with us. How? Through the Holy Spirit yeah. living inside of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. One of the biggest mind blow scriptures <clears throat> is when Jesus says, it's better yeah. right, that I go away. Yep. Mm -hmm. So then I can send the Holy Spirit. And it's like, how is that possible? How? He's saying it's better to have the Holy Spirit in you. Yeah. God in you than Jesus physically here next to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait a minute. No, that would be awesome if Jesus stayed here. <laughs> yeah, that would be really nice. <laughs> but but he's like, no, no, because Christianity is not fixed in a location. Mm -hmm. It's it's global. It's everywhere. Every people, every tongue, mm -hmm. tribe, nation. Mm -hmm. And so the Holy Spirit in us, God in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory, mm -hmm. that's what changed the world yeah. because he's now in us moving all of us that's or so can move all and of I us. And I think what you said is, is actually, it's just a deep truth. Yeah. I think one of the areas like the Catholic church loves and honors the Holy Spirit, but a lot of times it is very theological as opposed to a uh, daily application. Whereas in Pentecostalism, you really see not only a love theologically mm -hmm. for the Holy Spirit, but a very, like the Holy Spirit is involved in my daily life yes. and mm -hmm. involved in my relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in middle school, when you're in high school, how's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? How, how does that grow mm -hmm. um, through high school and lead you to that decision to become a pastor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was... Again, solid family, so we're always engaged in church. There was never really a time that I um, really wandered away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. My heart was always ordered towards the Lord. Plenty of ups and downs of success with that. But mm -hmm. through high school, got out of high school, and uh, man, so glad to get out of high school. I was like, <laughs> yes, I finally am out of jail. Yeah. Uh, I'm never going back to I'm school free. ever again. You <laughs> uh, couldn't pay me to go to college. Yeah. Uh, I was not Well, the nice thing is they don't pay you to go to college. Yeah. You yes. have to pay you them. You do actually so have to pay to go to college. That's, yeah. that's not true. My <laughs> wife, they paid her to go oh, to school. Oh, nice. See? Well, she's one yeah. of those She's one people. of those yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. I had to write, I had to write uh, you know, letters to get me to go past the remedial <laughs> courses that they were going to make me take <laughs> to overcome my low grades. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, but after I got out of high school, um, I, I didn't really have a particular direction. I really was not college bound and uh, spent some years just working, but eventually entered a time, but just seeking the Lord, Lord, what are you calling me to do? 
and um, and it was during that time I had some uh, my college minister and some others uh, be praying with me. Mm. So I was in a s- specific time of prayer and discernment for this, and and I didn't I and I wasn't praying discerning over a specific thing. It was just Lord, what? Mm-hmm. Um, because so mm-hmm. far the doors I pushed on there was just nothing right, and so I was down visiting a friend in L.A. We were in California at the time, um, and. Um, and he was, they had a prayer service, and I just was in that prayer service. They were sending a, a mission team down to Mexico, and so I, was, I wasn't going on a mission, but I was just there to pray with them. Yeah. And it's in that moment that that's where the Lord just came in, and as loud as God can talk without being audible and other people mm-hmm. hearing, mm-hmm. I literally walked in the room saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And it was just in that moment, and God says, I want you to go into full-time ministry, give me the rest of your life in service to me, and you need to go to college. Amen. There you go. Direction. And, <laughs> yeah, direction. That's how I knew it was really the Lord because I genuinely walked Didn't out. Didn't want to go to college. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I genuinely walked out of that room, <clears throat> totally ready for college. Like, wow. yeah. let's do it. And oh, and, nice. So he gives you, and I love that because not only does he call you, but he gives you the grace for the yes, call. He does. Yeah. Amen. And, and I do think that there's a, um, I think there's such a wisdom in that. And I, I also want to speak to those times when Holy Spirit, He actually like sees our desires, honors them, and calls us into that as well, right? There's these times where he comes into our lives, and it's clear that we didn't want to do something, and then he speaks a word, and then we do want yeah. to do it. And then there's other times when I am I have desires, and I'm like, I wonder if I should do that. And he comes in, gets behind those desires, and fans them into flame, if you will. Because the yeah. reason I want to bring that up is you were mentioning, Dan, that sometimes in the Catholic um, church, just like in our experience of the Catholic faith, especially in the Western world, Holy Spirit isn't always... A, and uh, um, what am I trying to say? Like someone next to us, walking with us in our day-to-day life, but rather he's a theological concept and we know him to be a person, but it's at an academic level that we know him, not at a relational level. And I actually think some of that has to do with the fact that in the Catholic Church, we do so well to talk about discernment. Mm. But a lot of times in discernment, we we think that the only discernment is I don't want to do something, so I probably should. Yeah. Right, and, and and because that does fall into and, a and, lot now, of but yeah. and the reason I'm saying well, that well, as, as if God is always going to call us to something yeah, that we it, don't want to do. And what I want to speak yeah. is He'll absolutely <laughs> do that sometimes, like college. Sometimes, yeah. And, but what I also want to absolutely speak is just like as, as we kind of like talk through the episode today is that I actually think us relinquishing the idea of all, all of our desires being bad, but rather giving all of our desires to God yeah. is the right disposition. So God, I, I have a desire not to go to college, but if you desire me to, you can break through and give me a grace to do it. Or God, I do desire to do ministry, yeah. and now you're coming in and saying, yes, I bless yeah. that. To be fair, it. though, I never asked God, if you want me to go to college, let me know. That was never even on the table. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I didn't fair. even ask that one. He just no. like, <laughs> Bam! Just gave it to me because he knew I never. That's amazing. Asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, giving that clear direction, like you were saying. Dave. I think. But anyway, something... I wanted to kind of stretch that out because yeah. I think there is a part of that that we we don't always welcome Holy Spirit next to us because sometimes He might be affirming something we desire and we think to ourselves, "Well, is that me or God?" Yeah. Is that me or God? I don't know if I can be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit if He's affirming something I well, desire. Well, if you have a passion and a desire in your heart, who put it there? I, mean, right. I think yeah. that's the question. If, yeah. So if we think our passions and our desires are bad, yeah. if you have a passion for the medical world, if you have a passion mm-hmm. for education, mm-hmm. if you have a, whatever your passions are, we, 
who planted that passion inside mm-hmm. of you, right? And uh, it's surrendering the, yeah. it to God and if you're, is the important part. If you're operating, if you're in a state of grace, you can trust that mm-hmm. the passions and the desires in your heart yeah. are good. Yeah, well, and you can surrender like right. you did. Because like you said, you may not have said like specifically permission to send me to college <laughs> if you want, but permission to do what you want. Yeah, amen. Right? Do whatever he tells to, you. Yeah. Permission so, to do what you want. another fun thing that you say about your testimony, and uh, I, I find this to be true about a lot of people, and we don't speak about it often, um, I think sometimes when you go to a place where the presence of God is, I don't, it's thick, right? Yeah. Like there's it's palpable. Yeah, it's like it's palpable. so present. Yeah. Yeah. That, that all of a sudden you get clarity beyond doubt. And Ignatius yeah. of Loyola talks about different phases of discernment. Mm-hmm. And the best kind of discernment mm-hmm. is when there's clarity beyond doubt, when you just know yeah. that you know that you know mm-hmm. that God's calling you. And a lot of times in the midst of the fog, it, you, you could be foggy because you're in the world. Mm-hmm. And because you're in the world, you have the voice of the evil one, the voice of the worldly influence, the voice yeah. of worldly friends, all speaking to you. But when you go to a place like this prayer meeting where you already had people who had been so surrendered to the will of God, yeah. you're walking into a spiritual atmosphere that's surrendered to the will of God. And now all of a sudden, the openness to hear God's voice mm-hmm. with clarity beyond doubt is at your fingertips. And so if you're listening and you're struggling to hear God's voice in prayer, mm-hmm. perhaps you need to go to a place where there are people who have already li- surrendered themselves fully yeah. to God's mm-hmm. will and and pray with them and, and allow those. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. Well, like people really will, good. you'll see it all the time. College students come here. Yeah. They don't know what to do with their life. Yeah. The moment they get here, they have clarity beyond doubt yep. what God's asking mm-hmm. of them. Why? That's because why they've come to a place. when they come. Right? Yeah. Because right. they're here for a whole week. Yeah. 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 And I do think God doesn't just use people, he uses places. And so like there's something about certain places or environments where God dwells, right? And he dwells everywhere, but he, his presence is thick in some areas. But you made the same reason. point with the parents earlier, right? It's not that I was ever not with my parents, but there's moments that are highlighted with my parents. And yeah. maybe even in specific places with my parents where something special yeah. happened. Like, yeah. like it doesn't discredit the fact that my parents were with me the entire time. It simply elevates those times yeah. that really stick out to me. In the same way that Jesus being next to me would be amazing. I'm yeah. not going to diminish that awesomeness if he was physically right here sitting at a chair across from us. Yet the Holy Spirit in me doesn't diminish that. It simply mm. elevates yeah. the awesomeness available yep. to us. All right, another quick question. Before we jump forward in your story, Father, You, it sounds like clearly you were... Uh, in great youth ministry growing up since yes. they had summer camps. I mean, yeah. it's the best opportunity. And, uh, but what, what uh, do other youth ministry moments stand out with? What was, what made your youth ministry as a, as a child effective? Uh, yes, boy, I, <clears throat> I talk about this a lot with my students at the university and with the local youth ministers. Um, yeah, I actually had great youth ministers that were nationally known within my denomination and, mm. uh, and they were just high fun and power of the Holy Spirit and teaching. So uh, we just we had a great time. And they sounds like the apostles. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna say there's yeah. something about that they, combination. They they just they did they just did fun things and and uh, it stinks today half of the fun things are illegal now uh, you know i mean you just pull up after school load kids in your car and head off to mcdonald's and did you sign a you waiver just, uh, yeah right <laughs> no yeah and uh but just great programming but really simple programming it wasn't super complicated but uh, hmm. you know praise and worship and um and and real simple we didn't have crazy bands and all stuff it was it was guitars whatnot but um, and, uh, but teaching, I mean, they, we taught, I remember in junior high learning about pre-incarnate theophanies in the old Testament. 
well. Like, what the heck is that? <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, Proto-evangelium. So for, for those of you who don't know what a pre-incarnate theophany <laughs> is, like Mount Sinai would be yes, one, right? right, right. Where, yeah, where a theophany god is when God manifests, manifests himself, himself right. in a yeah, powerful right. way. And uh, and I just remember that. Like, from what that's you talk about those, those moments to stand out. As yeah. a kid, I just thought, that's like the coolest word ever. Yeah, and yeah. I just remembered but, that. But, but Pentecostals love the word theophany. <laughs> I feel like whenever I'm listening to like a YouTube video of like a Pentecostal, they're preaching yeah. on a theophany. But they yeah. taught in a relevant way for our appropriate age and but in in high school i mean we were being taught um we'd go through you know books of the bible we would be taught apologetics we would be taught specifically how to share our faith how to evangelize we'd be taken on mission now we're going to go to this high school campus we're all just going to go out there and find conversations get evangelized till we get thrown off the campus nice. uh, we're going to go to mexico we're going to go on mission we're going to go to the olympics and do street evangelism and so it, which Whoa. is really the heart of Pentecostalism uh, and Foursquare in particular. I mean, um, the denomination had, had, had four core doctrines, the cross, the cup, the dove, the crown. Well, they had all the rest of fundamental Christianity. These are the four missions, the cross, the cup, the dove, the crown. Jesus, the Savior, everybody needs a Savior. The cup, Jesus, the healer, he wants to heal you spiritually and physically. Um, the dove, Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, he wants to empower you. And the crown, Jesus is soon coming king. He's coming back soon, so you better get on the stick now. That's pretty and awesome. Get that to the awesome. business of that the kingdom. Awesome. He wants to yes. save you, heal you, empower you. So four square Pentecostalism back. is not all about playing four square. It is not. Oh yeah. man, that, did you, you guys let down? Play four did you have let four down. square at your summer camp at least? We did not. Oh, oh, God. That's I probably know. why Step you up. left the faith. They lost the marketing this is opportunity. Lies. There. You're <laughs> lying. No, that's really. I like those four squares. That's pretty. That's a great way to share the gospel. Well, and I also like the the three like simple uh, pieces to effective evangelization: fun, power of the Holy Spirit, yeah. teaching. Like, mm-hmm. like that is yeah. it. Like because what are we all drawn to in the world? Things that are enjoyable, like mm-hmm. for good and for bad. Yeah. And when they're around the Lord, they're good. So let's enjoy being around the Lord, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's bring power into it. Because if it's a faith that doesn't do anything, then it's not, not very important. Real. Yes, right. <laughs> and, and at yeah. a minimum, if it is real, it's distant and really not yeah. important in yeah. my life. But if it's powerful and it changes things, yeah. right? And, and then to teach that and to teach the where yeah. that for the faith to do something, you've got to put people in a place where they have to step out in faith beyond their comfort zone. Yeah. So we were invited to, hey, we're going to go to street evangelism. Like, yeah, that's amazing. I don't know what in to high do. school. What? Yeah. And and yeah. you get to realize I actually have nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you got to put people in those places, which I think many of our youth ministries uh, don't yeah. um, stretch out in that way. Our parishes definitely don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's 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 where you see then the Holy Spirit begin to actively work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're starting, and because the we're starting a program here at Damascus called the Youth Leadership Institute, and because. So often we teach the faith, and and I think as Catholics, we're actually really good at the teaching component. But because we lack power or application, we often don't own the faith, right? And so we may know the faith, but we don't own it. And the Youth Leadership Institute, we're trying to to teach the missionary lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but then also invite them into an annual mission. If you're going to, if you're going to say that you're a missionary disciple, you have to have a mission. And so what is your mission? Is it street evangelization? Is it ministry to your school? Is it ministry at at your parish? But to, to say, okay, I am walking into the missional life of the church Mm -hmm. and joy. And when that gets planted in in the early years of of high school, it does open that door to say, Lord, are you inviting me to full-time ministry? Which is, is when it's adventurous, which is yeah. fun, right? 
And then there's a power in it. I actually see God come through in ways that I wouldn't have been able to see him come through had I not stepped out. Amen. This is so good. Okay. So you go to this prayer service, and then all of a sudden you become a pastor. So, yeah, overnight. Next day, you sign up. It's not super easy. Um, Yeah, yeah. You just had to to go to, like, sign a piece of paper, right? And you're a Protestant pastor right away. So I'm just kidding. I I repent of any sarcasm (laughs) in that statement. So, uh, yeah, jumped into school and... Uh, so did a theology, basic ministry, catechetics type uh, ministry degree. In that process, met what became my wife. I didn't meet her at school, but we had a common friend. We got introduced. She, interestingly enough, though, uh, as well, some people often ask when we later get to the priesthood piece, so how does this work with your wife? Uh, well, God gave me the right woman for the right time, and uh, she had discerned a call to full-time ministry on her own before ever meeting me, hmm. but always knew it would never be apart from her husband. Mm. And but he had given her a disposition for service and and mission. Mm. And so when when we actually went out on our first date, she I'm she's secretly asking me all these questions. You know, is going through her mental checklist yeah, yeah. that I have you no clue about. Test. And her last question, she's like, "What are you called to do?" Because she knew I wasn't called to ministry. And when I said no to that, then she's off the hook. And then mm. she's like, "So what do you want to do with your life?" Well, the Lord's called me into full time ministry. She's like. <laughs> oh no oh no i guess you get a second date <laughs> yeah right and uh so so we uh, we actually got married while we're still in school so yeah it's, I'm, I'm supposed to tell people that's a bad idea but it was the best thing ever yeah um <laughs> and um and then we uh, entered into ministry we're four years in california then we spent a decade in seattle and um and there was yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of ups a lot of downs a lot of a lot of brokenness in the world and in the church most of our battles have been in the church mm. it's almost just like a reprieve and you could go hang out with people who aren't in the church and share the gospel yeah. in pentecostalism <laughs> yeah. you mean well just everywhere yeah i, I mean, mean we I mean, i've experienced most of my battles have been inside the church yeah, as well yeah, yeah. uh yeah. and uh, yeah and you <laughs> um i won't go there all right well um, if you think about it jesus was persecuted by the jews yeah and so he was persecuted by his own his own people and I, I, and it was funny because when i started experiencing persecution within the church i was like whoa, whoa whoa lord i didn't sign up for this i i thought like i knew there'd be persecution but i thought it was gonna be from outside but it really hurts when the persecution's coming from a yeah. priest yeah, right yeah. like that that is extremely painful and the lord's like dan like that's the kind of persecution mm-hmm. it was the high priest who was yeah. rejecting me yeah. and he says just as i suffered so shall you and so it, it to some extent not mm-hmm. not suggesting that that those priests are evil who are sure, doing sure. that. But that it is fitting that when you come to serve the Lord, there there will be persecution from within. From within. Absolutely. And yeah. just to be prepared, if you're called to full-time mission, that there will, you, be, there will be time. No, there's no doubt. Because I was also uh, just um, recently reading through the Gospels again and just really taking in the entire story, and I was fixated on Pontius Pilate. Because Pontius Pilate actually says, I find no fault within him. Yeah. yeah, right. And yet, yet all of the all of the Jews yeah. are finding all of this fault. And Pontius Pilate says, "I find no fault within him." And then I was finding it interesting that we still say, "Who suffered under Pontius Pilate?" We suffered under Pontius Pilate because Pontius Pilate recognized there was no fault in him, but still didn't do anything. Yeah. Well, to, same to, thing with uh, with Paul. The Roman leaders are like, "We don't want to kill him," but the Jews right. are like, "Kill, kill him!" him. Yes, yeah. no, right. that's my thing. Yeah. And now again, like it's it's just worth us noting. That all of the schisms that the church experiences come from within. Yeah. Like yeah. starting in the 1000s up to the 1500s with mm-hmm. the Protestant revolt, up to, to now when you see this division happening in the church where it's like, well, are you, are you 
in a line with Vatican II, or do you slightly question it? Because then we're going to start two camps here. You right. just start seeing these schisms, these little cracks, and it's like, no, the unity of the church is supposed to get into the division of the world, not the Amen. division of the right. world. John 17, it's the unity that is supposed to be the sign yes. of evangelization. Yes, well, we're one yeah. holy Catholic yes. and apostolic church, yeah. not... And where does <laughs> unity come many. from? The Eucharist and from the Holy Spirit. Correct. Those are the, and and if, we've, if, if we're not a church founded on the devotion to the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith, and a church that's alive in the Holy Spirit, that's where Man, unity will suffer. if we're not devoted suffer. to the presence of God on earth, more of the presence. Okay, so maybe what are some of the highs, the lows, the how was God moving in your ministry when you were a Pentecostal pastor? So our once we moved to, um, so our, the end of our California days was kind of the tail end, mid to tail end of within the. You kind shaved of, your your hair at that time. You no, cut, no, no, cut actually, the long blonde no, hair. I grew the hair out at that. Oh, time, okay, there you, go. Yeah. there you go. I was always oh. this kind. Of, I was this kind of a haircut kid. Yeah. But I, once I got married, I thought, you know, I never grow my hair What's out. Go? What's <laughs> go? So I had the when I got when I moved to Seattle, I had long hair, goatee. Oh, and, nice. And, okay, uh, yeah. So, it's so good old Seattle. Ah, uh, yes, and. Um, but it was kind of the end of the Toronto Pentecostal outpouring, Toronto blessing. There. Did you ever go to Toronto? Never did. Okay. Never did, but our pastor did. And um, But then went up to up to Washington State, the first church we pastored. That's where there was just some real, real, real deep brokenness. A lot of church splits happening in that place. And, um, and, and there was, that was the first place where the Lord really deeply ingrained in us, what does it mean to be called to the mission? Because there was a church, there was a group in the church that didn't like the senior pastor, and then I was associate, and they decided to stay, and mm. financially starve out the staff. So they all started stockpiling their tithe nice. to try and financially starve out everybody, so we would that have sounds, to leave. That sounds biblical. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it was. I think in Acts they dropped dead. When <laughs> no. It was intense, and so. We all met. And we're like, okay, we have a choice. We either have to go do something else, or we have to figure out how to operate with what God's called us to. And so Man. we had to ask Man. the question: Are we called here for a paycheck, or are we called here? Mm. That's and the universal answer between all the staff, which there was three ministers and, and a secretary, uh, we're called here. Mm. So we made some radical sacrifices. While each had four homes, yeah. we all said. Let's move in together. So wow. we all just got like one three-bedroom home. I mean, now that and, is biblical, right? Us there. And the youth <laughs> no, that actually is. So the youth minister and his kids and my wife, and we had one kid and had our second kid, and that we're sharing one three-bedroom house. Then the others moved in together. Oh, and, wow. And the Lord brought us through that and overcame that root of division and bitterness and brought real wow. health and wholeness to the church. And we thought, fantastic, we're going to serve here for the next, you know, 20 years, and it's going to be glorious. And then shortly after that, the Lord's like, I want you to go to Seattle and plant a church, start a new congregation in Foursquare. And I'm like, Lord, no, we just got through mm. difficulty. We just want to enjoy the fruits of the land for yeah. a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I love how he does that. As soon as you yeah. break through the the dryness and the hardship, he's like, I've got a new mission. You're like, <laughs> yes. ah, yes. <laughs> and, it's like and, he doesn't want us to live for comfort. Yeah, and you you talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord had been giving me this in prayer, and I was like, Lord, no. I said, no, no, two times. And the third time, he's like, I want you to go to Seattle. And my uh, my best friend had moved up there and was starting starting the congregation. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you've got to tell my wife this as well. So I went to her and said, you've got to pray. Hear what God's telling you. And I'm not going to tell you what he's telling me. <laughs> nice. I, that's actually really it good. I like she that. She went away and prayed for the we week. We do that sometimes. Came back and said, Supposed to go to Seattle. Nice. And I was like, dang. 
It's <laughs> uh, so as if the Lord speaks with one voice. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's amazing. But that's part of the work of the Holy Spirit working in us, that act of seeking. Yeah. And so then that took us to Seattle, and we started that. So, yeah, in, in Protestantism, church planting is where you start a new congregation with your denomination in an area where there isn't a congregation. And so we started, we had like 12, 14 people or so, and, uh, and it started from scratch and meeting in a home and then slowly growing from there. The church never became really large, but it's when I moved to Seattle, um, lots more adventures there, which would take another three shows to talk about all the just engaging with the street, engaging with some of the homeless and the street teen population and, and just encountering a part of culture and the need of ministry, which we're usually not really good at. I was really good at kind of white middle class ministry. That was like that's my power out. You know, if I can just hang out there, I'm, I'm yeah, called to yeah. white suburban ministry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. You know, listen, people in Hawaii need Jesus too. Somebody's yeah, got to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's Someone real. needs it. Um, yeah, that's real. But uh, in Tuscany, <laughs> I don't that's have right. To discern that call. Uh, but but it was there when I moved to Seattle. That's where I encountered the Catholic Church, um, and uh, where the Lord began to open that door. The day I turned on the radio and caught Catholic radio. Yeah. yeah, that's so powerful. You turn on the radio and caught Catholic radio. So what happens when you catch Catholic radio? So I'm scanning the dial. I'm thinking, I'm in the big city now. What kind of talk radio can I find? I find a station. It sounds like it's something religious-oriented. I'm a pastor. I like to listen to religious things. So I'm listening, and I hear that it's it's Catholic. And I'm like, wait a minute. Who's a, who's ever heard of Catholic radio? And it turned out it, it was Catholic Answers. This is 99. It had, they started in 98, so this is just after their launch. Is this EWTN? EWTN Radio. Hey, yeah. shout out to EWTN who yeah, carries uh, Beyond do. Damascus. Yes, thank uh, you. And um, so I listened for the whole hour. Disagree 100% with <laughs> all of the doctrine because by default it's wrong because it's Catholic. Yeah, I mean, you have to just By definition, yeah. Yeah. if it's Catholic, therefore it can't be right. Yeah. Mm. But the two guys I listened to captivated me and I literally tuned back in the next day. Do you remember who they were? Um, no, well, Jerry Usher was like the, the, hmm. always the, you know, the host every day mm -hmm. at that time. And yeah. I forget who the other guy was. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I tuned back in the next day hmm. just because they were so captivated. Cause as I listened, they were, they were Christ centered. Yep. They were evangelistic. Mm. They were biblical. Uh, they were charitable and unapologetically Catholic. And I was like, wait a minute. Hmm. I've, I've never met an together? evangelistic charitable, biblical, Catholic. It's like usually you add Catholic to the mix and all those others like dissipate. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they're yeah. not Jesus-centered. They're, like they're, they're not evangelistic. <laughs> yeah. They're not biblical. And, and Praise so the I, Lord. I literally tuned back in the next day um, hmm. because I was like, man, I felt like if we all went and hung out at Starbucks, we would have some things in common, but they're Catholic. Hmm. So I, was, hmm. I tuned back in to find out, are these the only two excited Catholics on the planet or are there more of these people? I did not come for any of the doctrine. Mm-hmm. It was the encounter with the persons and the power of that personal witness wow. that was attractive that allowed me to come back mm -hmm. and then eventually hmm. open up to the doctrine. Were, mm -hmm. you, were you surrounded by, in Pentecostalism, though, people like that as well, like authentic witnesses of the gospel? Like, oh, yeah. So what about radio made you excited? Were you just intrigued, like, oh, these are Catholics who are this, and I didn't know they existed? Yeah. I yeah. mean I mean I mean I wasn't necessarily excited about radio. I just it was it was a curiosity yeah. that yeah. they were cuz when you're Protestant and even being Pentecostal, we weren't we don't view ourselves as Pentecostals as really leaving the Catholic Church. Really they parted more from 
Reformed theology. So, and, and pure Pentecostals wouldn't even call themselves Protestant. We're just Christians because they, they, they didn't protest something. They just followed the Holy Spirit. And so... Um, uh, so there's uh, not... Yeah, I find that the Pentecostals don't have a, a, as much of a chip on the shoulder towards mm-hmm. Catholics sometimes well, as other denominations that's can. not true. I mean, so okay. they're some of the biggest purveyors of the Horror Babylon and oh, wow. um, okay. uh, was depending on the denomination. The okay. denomination I grew up in wasn't that way, but but no, some are... are what uh, what decade super, is this? Yeah. Super strident. What decade is this? Uh, 99. So okay, so this is this 99. why I flipped on the radio. It was 99. Okay. Yeah. And then, so what happens next, Father? You're, you, how do you find yourself journeying towards yeah. so I began yeah so I wasn't so much excited in radio I was just excited that there was some people talking about Jesus and they were Catholic and that was that was that was a a, a curiosity um and uh, so as I began just to listen on an occasional basis driving around in the car radio is really accessible nobody has to know you're listening to it and uh and but they, they would keep talking about things that sounded reasonable that sounds interesting it sounds reasonable but I would go back and look in scripture. But then the, the thing that was new to me was they would be talking about the church fathers, and I had no, I, no idea who the church fathers were. As far as I was concerned, these were secret Vatican documents hidden away in a vault somewhere that only the Pope and some select few had access to. And they would talk about these guys, and I just had never, ever heard of them. Pentecostals are uniquely ahistorical. There's like today and Acts 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, everything else in between is irrelevant because yeah. mm-hmm. people need Jesus today. Well, whatever happened 500 years ago was great and all, but people are hurting, broken. They need an encounter with the Lord today, which is true. Um, but um, so, uh, but these church fathers, once I started to unpack this and realized they weren't secret Vatican documents and realized that, wait a minute, you're telling me there are apostles that had disciples and those disciples wrote stuff. Like, who wouldn't want to read what the disciple of John wrote? Or the guy who was ordained by Peter, why wouldn't I want to read that? If I'm going to pick out any book in the bookstore today, why on earth would I not want to go dig into those guys? And if I'm going to give anybody the time of day and consider them accurate, how much more compelling would it be to be Mm -hmm. the disciples of the apostles? (laughs) That just blew my mind mm. and, and I'm a big context guy. So it was nothing worse than somebody grabbing a scripture and just kind of preaching for the next hour on some tangential thing that is, you know, off a keyword that's really not at all what the text is yeah. about. So I would <laughs> they would have some quote from the church father. They'd read a scripture, here's what this says, here's what the church father says, how they understood it. So then I would go dig up the church father, fully expecting the context to not bear out what they said. Mm. And just at every turn, the the more I read, the more it strengthened the, 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 the argument yeah. or the point. And, and that, that was, uh, just became absolutely mm-hmm. compelling yeah. for me. Well, and I think that brings us into an interesting conversation here, right? Because as you came to fall in love with the Catholic faith, like you came to fall in love with the apostolic secession, right? That then had bishops, that then had <laughs> priests, that then had the laity following this move of God that was yeah. consistent from the time of Jesus to now. And then an apostle laid hands on you and you became a priest, <laughs> which is kind of like a pretty powerful um, transition there. But I, I don't know. I think um, as I've been listening, there's just this um, clear recognition in my own heart that you've followed the promptings of the Holy Spirit every every time he's prompted, and even in some big ways. And I wonder, like, um, 
upon like your life now in Steubenville and things. And I, I guess like, how did you, how did you fumble through like, okay, I'm married. I have been a Pentecostal pastor. I'm now falling in love with the Catholic church. I feel called to go to Steubenville. I'm in Steubenville, the Catholic faith surrounding me. I'm feeling called to be a part of it. And now I want to be a priest, but aren't they celibate? Like, how did that, how did that like bridge yes. get made? Can I, can I go back to one or two more pieces from my journey? You to absolutely the can. Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, I get the reason that. I'm wanting to ask is because it just, it seems like the Holy spirit has been speaking unique things to you yeah. the entire time. Cause I just want to tell one and it piece. It makes sense why the, the, the vocation you yeah. have now is unique. I just want to tell one piece of the story. That's just part of the crazy in the process. <laughs> yeah. But that's what the Holy spirit specializes in where, uh, summer 2000, 2003, I'm, speaking at a denominational summer camp and uh Ooh, summer camp shout Ooh, out summer camp good <laughs> things happen at good summer camp cyysc that's right that's right um and and the guy who oversaw the camp he wasn't running the actual program but he just it was his, his facility he said hey drake i think i you know lord has something for you that I, to share with you and i said great so we go and we meet in his office he prays for a bit and he just says you know i just i see this just kind of picture in my mind and uh, you and your family on a seashore and uh, and out on the on the water is like this giant ocean liner. I'm like, sweet, we're getting a cruise. This is my name it, <laughs> name it and claim it. This is my kind of ship. Uh, yes. yes. And um, and he then he says, and on the side of the ship it says the Queen Mary. Hmm. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking the big boat docked in California. Tell <laughs> called the Queen Mary. And uh, and then and he says a few more things. Gets done. Just looks at me. Says, I don't know. I think maybe you're supposed to have something to do with the Catholic Church. Like, what? So then I tell him everything I've been learning with zero inclination of becoming Catholic. And uh, so we talk a little bit. So I head home from that camp with this kind of increased hmm. pursuit of studying Catholicism from the point of uh, thinking that I would, I would help maybe Catholics come out of Catholicism into my denomination and whatnot. And, but it's then during that year, so getting basically this Marian vision from a Protestant guy at this <laughs> camp <laughs> ramps me up on my Catholicism study until I, I, I felt like it was just like one day I was just like reading, reading, and like I turned the last page and it was like, and he became oh, crud. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and, yeah. and there's lots more twists and turns in that, but, and, and, and there was just that overwhelming sense of this is true. And if it's true, I have to respond and mm -hmm. and that's the only reason to do any of this is if it's true mm -hmm. and and so and right. I was literally this is not hyperbole literally sick to my stomach for a week hmm. begging God don't make me become Catholic Lord anything but don't Catholic yeah. Lord I've never refused you anything we've gone everywhere you said to go don't <laughs> make me I'll become go wherever Catholic you call me except for the Catholic, Catholic Church right. Yeah, right. Yeah. don't send me to Nineveh Lord yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um. The and, rest belt of Steubenville is not too bad compared to Nineveh. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steubenville's heaven on earth. But yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, but that, the thought of being Catholic was uh, a, by, uh, a much bigger obstacle than finally wrestling through all the doctrines. Was your wife going through this process at the same time, and was that an easy process for both of you to make the decision? So, no, she wasn't really going at the same time. I finally, when I got to the place and said, I finally came and talked to her and said, man, here's what's been going on. Mm -hmm. If I can't find what I'm looking for to disprove this, we might need to become Catholic. 
And um, she said, well, good Protestants say that, well, can't we just like believe it and become something else? Like choose our own thing or, you know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. And, but because God gave me a good woman and he knew I needed a good holy woman, um, she during, during Holy Week that year uh, just took three days to fast and pray during that week mm-hmm. and uh, came back after that week and just said, Lord, just give me peace. And, um, and wherever you, wherever you take us, we'll go. Nice. And uh, and she just said, the Lord just told me, you've always led us to Christ, and I shouldn't doubt that you would keep doing that. Wow. Mm. And I was like, what? That's too easy. I, I get to like bang my head for years. You just to go fast and pray for three days, and you're okay with this. And so I kept bugging her for the whole week, and finally she kind of snapped at me at the end of the week. She's take like, notes. listen, if you take us into the Catholic Church tomorrow, we'll go. Man, so wow. docile. Yeah, yeah. so she's awesome. God. So she, then that opened her up to her own journey and own study. Mm. She was raised Episcopalian through junior high. So okay. once we really got into it, there was a whole. There was a lot of seeds already planted, mm-hmm. um, but um, so yeah, she's just been a gift my my whole life. So because we don't have a lot more time, yeah. just to so you guys entered the church in what year? Entered two thousand four, and then you didn't. You were ordained in two thousand nineteen, so no. you had a good right. fifteen year journey. Yep. just to the priesthood. Yeah, so let's talk about that. And so it wasn't your original plan to become a priest when you entered the church, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. the 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 decision to say yes to the Lord and come into the Catholic Church was. For the sake of the Lord, mm-hmm. period. People would ask me, why, why do you become Catholic? So my desire to become Catholic was not to join an organization, mm-hmm. was to follow Jesus Christ to the a career fullest path. extent possible. Mm-hmm. And that led me to the Catholic Church, knowing that when I go in, I may be saying goodbye to ministry for the rest of my life, for all I knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, wow. that I, I don't, you don't get to come with conditions. Yeah. Um, so that... To follow mm-hmm. Jesus to the fullest extent possible. That's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful call. Yeah. So I knew there was the possibility of some Distance, ministers becoming yeah. becoming priests, but I didn't come with that in mind. Uh, it's easier if you're Anglican Episcopalian. The further you get down on the church totem pole, of which Pentecostals are pretty low, it gets harder and harder. Um, so I entered the church. We just served, came out of Steubenville, got an education, and just I jumped in and was just serving in the church. Uh, once I got inside, realized, oh, pretty much everything I've ever known in ministry is totally available, you know, in every possible way. And then once the diaconate opened up in our diocese, which were one of the last dioceses or latest ones to re- get the permanent diaconate, we didn't start it until 2009, hmm. um, I, I presented myself to that. Because one of the things that was on my heart was I wanted to serve in the heart of the church as much as possible. Namely, hmm. there's loads of fantastic apostolates, Damascus, gathering <laughs> yeah. summer camp, yeah. that are, that are, but I, I didn't want to just be a part of an apostolate lobbying orthodoxy into the church. I wanted to be as much in the church. So when people encounter somebody who's yeah. working in the church, they're not like, I went to this camp and it was awesome, but my church is lame. Yeah. Um, yep. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, so when the diaconate came, I figured I'd jump into the diaconate. It was during that year of discernment for the diaconate, the Holy Spirit just kept pounding me. You need to ask the question, do you qualify for the dispensation? Mm-hmm. Took it to my spiritual director, expecting him to, to kind of dismiss it, but he didn't. He said, oh, let's do it. So talked to the bishop. Bishop was open to it. And uh, so that began the process. He had me withdraw from diaconate because discernment for that is different, permanent diaconate, and and uh, and then begin the process. Yeah, and it was about from the time I knocked on the bishop's door till ordination it was about ten years. Wow. And um, hmm. and it didn't need to take that long, but there were certain things that kind of slowed it down. But uh, Father Ray Ryland uh, was just a super holy man, also a married priest in Steubenville, uh, hung out at St. Peter's, and he was the first. 
Anglican to submit an application for the dispensation once that opened up in the early 70s. And he, I think, was the third man ordained under this pastoral provision. Wow. And, uh, and so I just spent some time discerning with him because the bishop said, you need to discern, are you called? And I remember talking to him about the challenges, family, life, whatnot, because yeah, yeah. he was married and had kids. And he's like, Drake, if you, if you come, you come, period. No qualifications. You, you, you don't know what happens yeah. when you say yes to the priesthood. So you don't get to come if. And, um, and that, that was a real important, mm-hmm. important part of the discernment. Yeah, I think that's so important for all of us. You don't get to come if. Yeah. Like, you don't get to come with conditions. I think that's so, so important because especially for a lot of the young adults that listen to this podcast, a lot of our young adult missionaries, mm-hmm. I think we live in a world of conditions. And so I live in a church of conditions because I'm bringing the world into the church. So Jesus, I'm going to keep following you so long as you give me a holy wife or a holy husband, right? Like I'm going to continue to come to the young adult events so long as you give me a holy husband or a holy wife. And then once you do that, then I won't need community anymore because that was all a means to an end anyway. (laughs) And yet you keep speaking this unconditional surrender unto the Lord that yeah. without reservation. And I, I think that's so important for any vocation, for any yes. occupation, for any season of life. Yeah. But especially if you're going to live out such a unique call, like the one yeah. that you've been called to, there has to be this surrender. To well, the and Lord. blessed to be God, not just an individual unconditional surrender, but a, uh, a yoked together yeah, with your wife, word. unconditional yeah. surrender. Yeah. So the, um, you're a married priest. Uh, would you would you say we should get rid of priestly celibacy and just have every priest? This is the the solution to end priest scandals. This is a solution in the priest shortage. Just bring on married priesthood. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, why is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll say a couple of things with this. Uh, so one, I always just make sure that make really clear whenever I talk about this that so people know I, I'm not an activist. I'm not here to advocate for the end of priestly celibacy. I'm Simply here to serve the Lord yes. in whatever way the church allows, in the maximum way the church allows. And if at any point she'd pulled the plug in the process, I would have said, amen. I've, I presented mm-hmm. myself, did, I did my part, and I'll do whatever I can. Um, yeah, you never even came with an agenda. Right. You that's just came the, with yes. hands open. Just yep. Yes, that's... Conditionless. Yeah, it's that, and the, it's really true, and I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to toot my horn there, but, but that's, that's... And I think there was, there was a lot of that perspective in my formative ministry years as, as just that disposition mm-hmm. was there within, within a lot of what we did. But, um, but, but two, uh, the reason that married priesthood is not the answer, um, is within many of the Protestant denominations, they are struggling for vocations as well. And they're all mm-hmm. universally, uh, have married, uh, clergy mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, what, the, the, the priest, priestly shortage and the crisis of priests has to do with this right here. Yes, my right. conversion to Jesus Christ in the heart in a way that transformed my life mm-hmm. to such a way that I'm willing to give an unconditional yes. Mm, and so we don't talk amen. about vocations. We amen. rarely evangelize on that in churches. Families aren't talking about it. Uh, we need holier priests. We need churches that are on mission, that are evangelizing, mm-hmm. that are, are uh, giving priests um, the perspective of priesthood that is is on mission and not just managers and administrators and kind of keeping keeping track of things and um, mm-hmm. uh, and we, I, there's there's loads of, of brokenness amongst mm-hmm. married ministers so uh, yeah so the, the the marriage is not the linchpin and so, yeah I feel like I'll come to Jesus as long as I can have sex okay yeah. you're, you're probably not <laughs> a good long, candidate yeah right um, whenever I'll come to Jesus is followed by yeah. as long as <laughs> yes <laughs> then you're probably off and and the other thing though I also say is uh, Father Thomas Loyola who's an Eastern Rite pre- 
Priest has a show on EWTN called Light of the East mm -hmm. and had some really good material on the marriage in the Eastern Rites. And yeah. then I also make clear that marriage is not contrary, marriage in the priesthood is not contrary to the Catholic faith. It's just not, it's foreign to the Latin Rite, but it's not foreign to the Eastern Rite, which has as a norm the ability for a married man to present himself to priesthood. And mm -hmm. so um, while, it's, while it's not the norm in the Latin Rite, uh, it's not. It's not contrary. Sometimes people want to lump married priesthood in with like the the advocating women priesthood. It's like yeah. no, these are two yeah. totally, totally one. You're talking a doctrinal issue. Mm -hmm. The other's a disciplinary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I I also I I like thinking about it in the context of the heart, like you were saying that anytime we're trying to bring a practical solution to a heart problem, we're wrong. That like mm -hmm. it, it, it's okay. So there's a heart problem in the church of not wanting to be fully surrendered unto the Lord, which is creating a vocational shortage across the board in holy marriages, the diaconate, the religious life, and the priesthood. And it's actually about getting back to the evangelistic roots of the church and bringing people back into love with Jesus Christ. That actually solves those problems, not some practical. You know what? Let's let everyone get married because that'll make it easier, right? Because yep. it's 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 always a mistake to first assign a practical solution to a heart problem. Yeah. The heart problem needs fixed with a heart solution. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit have given us the beauty and wisdom of the church and the zeal for the salvation of souls yeah. to really bring us forward. Well, and when hearts are surrendered to him, the Lord will call his children into every facet of that course, he needs. Every nook and cranny yeah. of the world. And, and, and zeal and holiness gives rise to zeal and holiness. The reason why young adults are, are pouring out their, giving out their time to go be with you at camp for the summer and raise their own money. I mean, they're not getting anything monetarily from this, but they come here and they want to be around people who want to be around these things. And it, and it just engenders more mission minded. Well, yeah. People. And like, yeah. like you in Washington, they're not here for a paycheck. They're here because the yeah. Lord called them to be here. Yeah. And from there, they know that his providence will guide them, yeah. that they'll never go without as long as yeah. they stay with him. I think so. Seattle ministry, California ministry, how have you taken what you experienced in Pentecostalism and how has that shaped your priesthood today? And likewise, how has how has that path towards Catholicism really shaped your priesthood? Like your you your background is different than the typical priestly background. Yeah. Yeah. So how does your background yeah. impact your priesthood? Um yeah, I would say number one, that sense of expectancy. I think that's one of the the most significant things the Holy Spirit does in us is the Therefore, what, Lord? What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. um, and, and living with that kind of outlook and perspective, uh, that, I was, that was just the ethos in which we were you know, kind of birthed in and lived in, that, that God wants all of us to be doing something. Mm. And, and God uh, wants to do something. Yes. <laughs> expectancy in Him, yes. too. Yes. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah. That's, I would say that is the expectancy. Yeah. The expectancy yes. is, in, is, in, yeah. is in the Lord. Where are you, where are you leading me? And mm -hmm. so... So bringing that into, into preaching, I preach a lot about mission. I'm sure my parish gets sick and tired of hearing about it. Um, and, um, uh, and, and that, that comes into the confessional. Uh, I don't just kick out Hail Marys and Our Fathers. I try and give very intentional penances. Mm. Uh, the confessional is just one of the greatest places. I just After my first day hearing confessions, I came out of there and thought, that was the best thing ever. Ever. I mean, to be an extension of God's love and mercy yeah. and to just engage people, it was just, just, and so giving them, go read these scriptures, go do these things. And, and, and people would say, nobody's ever given, nobody's ever done that mm -hmm. in confession mm -hmm. before. Yeah. Uh, 
And and I don't know what others do. Other Are you than allowed the, to hear your wife? I mean, clearly you're allowed to hear your <laughs> yeah. wife's most, confessions, most right? Most asked question when my kids is, <laughs> what do you call your dad now that he's a priest? They're like, dad. <laughs> and then, can he hear your confession? They're like, yes, but we will never go. But that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> you're grounded unless you let me hear your confession right now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think that's the sense of mission the sense of the active working of the Holy Spirit uh, is, you know, colors my outlook to priesthood and, um, and how that comes in. And then the way that my Catholicism uh, informs that. When I came into the Catholic Church, I, I very I concretely uh, came into the church and set aside kind of my whole ministry tool bucket. I just kind of set it aside here. And I, I wanted to soak in what does it mean to be Catholic? What are the things I'm less familiar with? And what are the things that I, I need to learn? And I was the, 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 the concrete thought was I need to Catholicize mm-hmm. my Protestantism, not Protestantize my Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So as I soaked more in the church, then I kind of looked back in the tool bucket and like, okay, no, this, this one's compatible. This one's good. Yeah. Nope, this one's good. All right, that one can stay. Uh, this yeah. one's good. And uh, so rooting all of the zeal and the joy and the Holy Spirit and the gifts in the, you've got the, the concrete, firm doctrine of the faith, and in particular, the Eucharist. I used to just wonder, what will people do in my church if they came for 40 years? And do, what, I should think before I was Catholic, what are they going to, what will they still be getting from me if I'm preaching? And coming to the church to answer that question, oh, the Eucharist. <laughs> that hopefully by the time you're in your 70s, you're not like getting super, super excited about, you know, these basic things that everybody else is still like, what? John 3.16, we never heard. That's amazing. Yeah, um, so, yeah that's great. And uh, that's, so that, that's a those great Those two word. coming together, the, I think the, the zeal, the expectancy, the, the active mission, along with that firm foundation of the church rooted in the Eucharist as the kind of the ultimate anchor point. So naturally, another question about married priesthood is, is your, is your priesthood easier because you're married? Is your priesthood harder because you're married? Or is your priesthood still just priesthood? And there's yes. goodness and there's hardships all yes. together. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so um, I would say actually, right, the, uh, the the family is not what makes anything more difficult because our family was always a part of ministry. We yes, were doing street ministry. Always in full-time we ministry. took the kids down to the street, stroller on the street, yeah. hanging out with the homeless people, and we were just kind of all in. We had homeless people live with us, um, and uh, uh, so I would say the family's not the challenge. But when the bishop ordained me, he says, "Great, you have a job. Praise God." Um, you had homeless people live with you. Yes, that's a whole other story. That's another show. <laughs> Um, and, Dude, uh, Father, uh, you're a baller. Uh, so, but but I'm he had me keep my full time job at Franciscan, and then do a priest on top of that. And mm-hmm. so, so that's that's probably the biggest challenge that right now I would love to be able just to kind of be full tilt. I'd love to just be doing priestly ministry. Um, and so, hopefully, that will happen in the in the in the future here. But um, so, but the family aspect definitely adds some challenge. Sometimes there's a choir concert, and you want to go be a present to your kids and um mm-hmm. sometimes there's you know track meet or something and and um so so those things definitely impact it but mm-hmm. um but our family in general is a pretty mission-minded family as well and um but um well, I, met, I spent some time with your daughter last summer, and I'll just tell you what. I mean, she was one of the most remarkable, like, <laughs> disciples of the Lord I've ever seen. And, like, she was so Amazing. filled with the Holy Spirit, so articulate in the faith, like, so mm-hmm. impassioned with give, sharing the faith with others. Like, it was like—and I, I think there can be a fear that, oh, my gosh, if— 
someone's involved in full-time ministry, the, the pastor's kids aren't going to get enough attention. And I'll just say, as looking at pastor's kids, they've gotten a lot of love and attention, and your daughter is just an incredible Praise witness God. to the gospel. Praise God. So, Bless the Lord. And, and most of the kids that are here from the, your guys' diocese, she's invited. So she's an evangelist. And there are definitely there's pitfalls there that it's easy for, but, but it's not just... Ministers, I mean, it's easier for for men that show up to work. I was going to say so yeah, too. With all yeah, that, yeah, that you can just pour things. yourself into that other thing and yes. ignore your family. So sometimes people ask me that. I said, "Do you think it's? Do you think priesthood is any more work than the CEO of whatever company and yeah. who has a family as well?" Yeah. And so, so it's it's a matter of of priorities and mm-hmm. where are you placing those priorities? And so definitely, it does take some time. What Paul said is true. Any man yeah. who is married will be divided to some extent because you have to For think sure. about some concrete things. Absolutely. That is true. And that's why virginity for the sake of the kingdom, from the earliest, even though there was had been married priests and bishops all throughout history up till, you know, the 1000s, um, still virginity for the sake of the kingdom was always seen as the, the ultimate gift. And it is. Yeah, because absolutely. that is the greatest way to give your totality of yourself to the Lord. When I find that whole, you talked about this unconditional yes, and there is something hard because marriage grounds you to some extent. And so like you're grounded. And so it's like, man, I would, I would love to just go do this mission and this mission and this mission. But if I go and spend, you know, a hundred days a year off doing foreign missions, well, then that's a (laughs) hundred days a year where I'm not with my children. And there's something that that grounds you in yeah. marriage, which yeah. is beautiful, but the unconditional yes, yes, yes. sometimes is a well, little more you, tricky. Yeah. The virginity, well, and you need both. You need both. You yeah. need people that that feel that tension because that that develops the heart of an intercessor yeah. for the people who are able to go everywhere at all times, yeah. and then you need the ones who can go everywhere at all times because others can't. And yeah. so, like we we will never have it in the church where your single call will take the call of everyone. Mm. Yeah. It's just the Lord would never allow it because then we wouldn't need each other. And that that's like against the Lord totally. You'd be in the it's body like, of Christ with a whole bunch of arms yeah. everywhere. Arms, yeah, exactly. like arms for yeah. nose or and I ear, would be arms for your legs. Or I would be a body, body. In myself. And yeah. it would be like, well, then I don't need the Lord, and the Lord would never put me in a place where I don't need him. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. All right, Father, what, what would you like to say to, like, what's stirring in your heart right now? How, you, how would you like Amen. to close us out? Uh, I'll say one more thing on the, because you asked, does it make it harder or easier? Oh, um, yeah. And then the, the, there is an aspect of, uh, absolutely, just like the unavailability because of family, there is absolutely a blessing of having the perspective of kids and family and wife in the ministry aspect, working with people in the mm-hmm. confessional. Um, and that, that doesn't mean at all that people who don't have that can't be effective or else Jesus would have been the most ineffective minister ever <laughs> who never sinned and never is married, never yeah, had I kids. never yeah. had the experience of sin, so I can't listen yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, but so those those things definitely provide some uh, some additional perspective. Context. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. But uh, I think what's, what's on my heart is... Um, is yeah, we and where you started, we we've got to be a people on mission. The thing that I I, I started the camp with this week in homily I'm going to talk about more this afternoon is, um, but Jesus Christ didn't come to establish the church for us to just have mass and go home. Mm-hmm. Like the right. mission, when you go to the catechism, when it says under the mission of the church, it doesn't mention the mass. It doesn't mention the liturgy. Mm. The mission is go into all the world and make disciples. That's why the church exists. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist to perpetuate itself. It exists to engage people with the gospel, to invite mm-hmm. them to come to salvation because we want them. Salvation. We yeah. want them in eternity, and mm, uh, sure. and that's what all of us need to be on. And it's mm-hmm. so great that mm-hmm. we've got more and more today people who are in 
lay life who are on mission because mm-hmm. that, that, that is still being awoken yes. in the church, the idea that it's not just the callers and the religious, mm-hmm. but it's, 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 it's everybody. Everyone. And it's the Holy Spirit is the key active agent in calling us to mission and fostering that expectancy for him to encounter us. And I feel like you've given us some of the tools to how to be on mission. Uh, the, this expectancy that God will move and an unconditional yes. So that I, the way to have a life on mission is to wake up every day with this expectancy that God will move and he wants to move through me and to just be ready to give that unconditional yes. yes. So wherever you move, you're the one moving me there. And right. could, could you close us with a blessing? Yes. And, then, um, and then we'll close with prayer. Yes. Thanks. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your grace and the gift of your love that is so freely poured out to us. And Heavenly Father, help us to be docile and surrendered and submitted to you in all that we do. And may Almighty God bless us all and bless everyone who is listening in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you poured out on this show. Mm-hmm. This was such a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the Lord just really gave us a lot of beautiful revelations to how to grow in holiness um, and how to discern Him mm-hmm. in our lives. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Uh, we've had Father Drake McAllister with us today. Thank you so much. If this show mm-hmm. has blessed you, uh Feel free to like, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts, and share this show with others so that people can be built up to expect God to move in their life and to give an unconditional yes to the Lord. Join us next week. God bless.